0: And I'm glad that uh, uh, you've chosen to join us uh, on this uh, our worship day. It's good to have Joshua back into the premises. Amen. Uh, we've uh, missed him, of course. Where is he? Oh, there he is. Yeah, he's hiding from us. But uh, uh, it's uh, wonderful to have him back. And uh, uh, he, from initial reports, have uh, accomplished the purposes that uh, he wanted to do and assist in ministry. Uh, and all of that, I'm uh, looking forward for some more updates, of course, but uh, so just to see him back in the premises it's a, it's a wonderful uh, opportunity to see him again. I um, part of my preparation, I read like you, Tim, I've been reading, of course, uh, I read a uh, a fellow who um, who decided, Uh, to make only resolutions that he could keep. And uh, he resolved to gain weight, to stop exercising, to uh, read less and watch more TV, to procrastinate more, to quit giving money and time to charity and to never make a New Year's resolutions ever. An orthodox, I know. But maybe he's got a point. Maybe he's got a point. Why torture ourselves when, uh, when we never keep those New Year's resolutions consistently anyway? Hmm. Somebody said, and I agree, we don't need another resolution, but a revolution. We need a turning point in our lives. What we need is to put off the old man and put on the new, Ephesians 4. To put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the last thereof, Romans 13. To present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds that we may prove what is that good what is that acceptable? What is the perfect will of God? Romans 12. A revolution rather than a resolution. The late Reverend Walter Schodel recommended seven New Year resolutions if you are to make New Year's resolutions. Perhaps you can take all or some of these. Schordel called them seven ups for the New Year. Seven ups for the new year, and he's certainly not referring to seven up the soft drink. The first one is wake up. Begin the day with the Lord. It is his day, and we should rejoice and be glad in it. The second is dress up. Put on a smile. It improves your looks. It says something about your attitude. Third is shut up. Watch your tongue. Don't gossip. Say nice things to someone. Learn to listen. The fourth is stand up. Take a stand for what you believe. Resist evil and do good. Five on his list is look up. Open your eyes to the Lord. After all, He is your Savior. Six is reach up. Spend time in prayer with the Lord. And finally, number seven, lift up. Encourage another. Be available to help those in need. Serving. Supporting and sharing. Now I reckon if anyone is to make resolutions this year, this will be a good place to start. Seeing this is the first Sunday in the new year, I pray and desire to be an encouragement to you, and I hope uh, that will come through through the Word of God. And so open your Bibles, please, to Psalm thirty seven. Psalm 37, I'm just going to deal with just two verses this morning. The psalm, of course, of David is very rich, but for our purposes this morning, I'd like us to just focus on verses 23 to 24. Psalm 37, would you stand with me please, if you're able? Psalm 37, verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Let's pray together, Father. Thank you once again for the privilege to preach your word. And every time, any of us get given that privilege, we bear the responsibility and the burden as well as the blessing of proclaiming it. And so, Father, as best as I know, I've studied, I've looked into your word. I just pray, Lord, that you'd fill in my gaps. And as I deliver this message to your people today, May you be the one that is seen. May your truth be remembered. Let your people see uh, through the preaching of your word. And help us indeed, Father, to be doers of your word rather than listeners only. I don't know what the ponderings of the hearts of your people this morning But what I do know is you are the God of all, and I pray, Father, that your will and way be accomplished in us this morning, as we give you the praise, indeed the thanks, for the wonder that you are. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Many of you are familiar with this uh, verse, of course, or these verses, if not the passage as a whole. Uh, Again, for uh, as rich as this um, uh, Psalm 37 is, I'd like us to just focus on these two verses uh, this morning. And really, the text that we've just read can be summarized into two. First, God orders and ordains our every step, the good, and what we would deem as bad, the joys and the sorrows, the easy and the difficult, the victories, and yes, the failures. The word ordered here in Hebrew is quite a strong term. It means to establish something so that it has a strong foundation. Solomon got the idea in Proverbs chapter 16 in verse 9. A man's heart devises his way, but, notice that, but the Lord directed his steps. Our favorite verse, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and what? He shall direct thy paths. Again, same idea. But this verb ordered, kun, is even stronger yet again. God not only directs our steps, he also determines. Or ordains our steps. That means our going out and our coming in, our lying down and our getting up, our walking in our sleep, our waking, and our sleeping, our buying and our selling, uh, our talking and our listening, and our walking, and our even driving, even are all ordered by the Lord. And because he is God, there are no accidents. There are no oops with him. He never makes mistakes. He never makes no mistakes, of course. And nothing ever happens to a child of his by luck, by chance, or by faith, F-A-T-E. Forget about those horoscopes. They're not true. Nothing ever happens to a child of God by accident. No, beloved, no circumstance, no occurrence, no situation, good or bad, can come to us apart from God's determined purpose for us and for our own good. Remember, he is the God whom the Bible describes as who doeth all things well. Many, if not all of us in this room, wonder what the new year will bring. What will happen in 2024? Will it be a good year or a bad year? I'm sorry to break it to you. It will be a lot like last year. In many ways, it will be business as usual so to speak. You and I will have a good and bad days. We'll have some wins. We'll have some victories. But we'll also have some defeats and losses. Because we are living in this sin-stricken, fallen world, we'll suffer from some sickness. Others will be more serious than the rest, But for the most part, by God's grace and God's mercy, we'll be fine. We'll be relatively healthy for most of the time. Some of our desires and prayers will be granted. Some won't be. Some of our goals, our aspirations, our dreams will come to realize. And some will not be. Some of our well-laid plans will come to fruition. Others will remain undone. Sadly, some of our trusted friends will be there when we need them, as others will fail us when we need them the most. And so in many respects, life will be the same this year because we all face some ongoing challenges In our walk with the Lord, and we are all undergoing the process of sanctification. But be encouraged, beloved. Your steps, my steps, our steps collectively as Calvary Baptist Church are ordered by the Lord. He's in charge, He's in control. And aren't you glad that he is? Yeah. And so God orders or ordains our every step. Secondly, he promised that though we fall, we shall be not utterly cast down. And hallelujah for that. Praise God. Amen. Understand, beloved, that the word doll. In verse 24 carries with it certainty and not just possibility. This is not an if, but when. David the Psalmist understood that he and by application, all believers at some point in their life will eventually fall, will stumble, will struggle will trip up will lose their way none of us are immune none of us are exempted sooner or later we will all fall but it's what happens with our attitude determines the difference life the christian life is like that at times we will stumble And at times, we will fall, we will fail in more ways than one. Now, the word phrase utterly cast down here has the idea of being cast head first. They do that back in Bible times. Resulting into a fatality. Fatality. The thought here is that when a person hits the ground, he'll never get up again. He won't be just dusting himself and continue to walk on, no. To be utterly cast down is to be utterly destroyed. Completely, totally, absolutely, entirely, wholly, fully destroyed. But God's promise is that this will not happen to his child. We may or will face difficult situations in this year. But God will not allow us to be utterly destroyed. Why and how? Look at the verse. Because the Lord upholdeth us with his Isn't that beautiful? Personal. Not the angels. Not any other emissary. The Lord himself upholdeth us with his hand. Nothing can and will happen that will sever or separate us in our relationship with him. Theologians call this the doctrine of eternal security. In all sense of the word. Now allow me to illustrate this. Um, Brother Joshua and uh, Hannah, would you, would you come and just stand up here? Uh, Clint, bring my uh, grandson Benjamin with you please. Just uh, up here. Just going to make an illustration here. Don't be nervous. You're not doing anything, okay? Come on, Ben. Now, Hannah, could you hold on to Daddy's hand? And Joshua, just let her hold, <laughs> hold you. He, you want to come as well, Ben? You want to hold on to Dad's hand? Just hold Dad's that, hand. Okay. All right. Now. He, What you can see here is the child's hand compared to the big hand of the father is tiny. So, the children, just by uh, holding to their dads, that's what it is. Just holding. They can slip away very, very quickly. Now, Clint just really grabbed Ben's hand. Can you see how Clint's hand is securing his son? So with Joshua, once he grabs Hannah, can't go anywhere. Because God's hand is very similar to us. Thank you. I'll go down. We can get a grip of God, but we can only go so far. But when God grips unto us, when he upholds us with his hand, that's what it means. Cannot go. And he will never let us go. The father's grasp and hold is very similar to the dad's hold of their sons and daughters. Now our fall, our stumbling this year, could be troubles that are self-inflicted. Foolishness by our poor and ungodly choices. Or they may be losses. Financially, personal, relational crisis perhaps. I hope and pray that this will not happen to any of us, but it could be moral sins that will disqualify us and take us and lead us into casualties and not walking close or in step with and to the Savior Heading in the wrong or opposite direction. Away from the Savior. But it can happen. The scriptures tell us many who have fallen. We think of Noah. Who remained faithful before and during the flood. But after the flood. He became intoxicated. Lost his faculties. Ending up exposing himself. And the history after that is not pretty. And what about Abraham who believed and followed God's call by faith? Went to the promised land, a land that, he, uh, that God did not tell him where and, and, and how it would look like. He followed by faith, but once he got there, he lied about his wife. Not once, but twice, and didn't trust God to provide for him in the days of famine. He fell. Abraham. The friend of God. The one who is an epitome of faith. He's fallen. What about Moses who murdered an Egyptian? David, after writing the famous Psalm 23, yet committed adultery and murder with Bathsheba and Uriah after he's written it. Peter, the one who said, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both in prison and in death. Yet denied him not once, not twice, but three times. This bold Peter succumbed to the words of a damsel. He failed. Oh, beloved, take heed lest ye fall. Under pressure, you and I can do foolish things and fall because of our wrong choices. And listen, hurt not only ourselves, but those ones we love around us. Remember to be sober. Remember, to be vigilant for our adversary, the devil, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5.8. And if there is one who knew and experienced the, the devouring and, and the temptations and, the, and ultimately the victory of, of, of Satan over Peter at that time, it was Peter. Now, Pastor, you said you will encourage us. You haven't said anything encouraging Well, there is Proverbs 24, verse 16. For a just man, a righteous man, a saved man, a genuinely born again man, the Bible says, fall at seven times and rise up off again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. My dear ones, you and I may fall and struggle again and again in 2024, but with and through the Lord will also rise up again and again. Uh, For we are held by his hand. You see, when you and I fall, our God never intends for us to stay down. Uh, Now, beloved, we are to rise up, dust off ourselves and continue on to keep on keeping on, to be steadfast until the end. And so how do we apply these two fundamental truths from our text in 2024? Understand, firstly, beloved, every detail of our life is under God's sovereign control, every detail of it. I know we know this intellectually. I know we, uh, for some of us, we know this theologically to be true. If God is God, the omniscient and the omnipotent God that he is, then he must know and has the power over everything that happens and will happen in our lives. Now, pastor, how about our sin and the sins that we will commit? Are those included in the ordered or ordained by the Lord? Hmm. you said he's sovereign. You said he orders our steps. You said he ordains our steps. So the sins that you and I will commit this year is that part of the ordered and ordained of God. We got to be careful about this. God hates sin and is never the source or instigator of sin. And for that matter, all the bad things that happen into this world cannot be blamed on God. Remember, he created this world perfect. It was man. It was the sin of man that corrupted the earth and so this earth has fallen from its perfect condition and man ever since became fallen creatures and is responsible for their own sin. Not God. You and I and the sins that we will commit this year is on us. It's never about God. We never want to hear that God made me do it. No, you chose to sin. You did it on your own. Sin and choosing to sin is never of God. Sin is always our own responsibility. Well then, Pastor, he's not sovereign. He's not in control then. Not so fast. Let me put it to you this way. Is God sovereign over Satan? Come on now. Absolutely. He must be. Understand that God reigns over all things in this age and the age to come. In this universe. In the things that we see. The things that we're about to see. And the things that we will never see. He's sovereign in all of that. He is in control of all things, and all those things fit in his eternal and sovereign plan. Ultimately, God allowed sin to enter the universe, of course. But listen for to display his power over sin. And his grace and mercy over sin. How did he demonstrate that? In providing the remedy for sin. In allowing his son to be born on this earth. And to be our substitute for the mess that we have created for ourselves. The good God above could have chosen to just write off His creation and start again. But no. He loved you and me. He sent His only begotten Son to die in your stead, to pay for your penalty, so that when you stand before Him in judgment, He can look upon you, not in your own righteousness and my righteousness, because we haven't gotten one, We stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ for what he has done at the cross of Calvary. And so, yes, sin was allowed to enter his creation. But this God has also provided a remedy for sin. He's given us the victory over sin through Christ. And the only reason, like I said, as born-again believer... Uh, The the reason why we sin is because we chose to sin. We don't have to, but we do. Romans chapter 6, please. Romans chapter 6. Again, this concept of we don't have to sin. We have been given the victory over sin, but we sin because we chose to sin. Romans chapter 6. By the way, the book of Romans, if there's a book that I'd like to recommend to you this year, is Romans. A very good book. Romans chapter 6, here in verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the last thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin, 14, shall not have, what? Dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin, because we are not under the law, but under grace, God forbid? Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. But God bethink that ye were the servants of sin, but... Ye have obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of all your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants, to righteousness and to holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness." What fruit had ye then in those things were of ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. You sin. I sin because we choose to sin. When we sin, we are responsible and accountable for the wrong choices we made. And dare I say the consequences of that sin we must face. And so every detail of our life is under God's control. And yes, even our sins, before we even commit it, He is aware of it and His sovereign way allowed it to happen, not because He does not care, but He but he, uh, uh, <clears throat> he does not care but because he does not and will not treat you and me as robots. He has given us the will. And the exercise of that will, either for him or for ourselves, uh, there will be a day of reckoning, beloved. And that reckoning is at the judgment seat of Christ where the exercise of that will will be examined, whether what's done in the body is good or bad, whether you and I will lose or earn our rewards as good stewards of his salvation. George Mueller took God and his word. And one writer said, when they look into his well-worn-out Bible when he died, next to Psalm 37, verse 23, these are texts it's, uh, he's written it this way. The steps and the stops of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The steps and the stops of a good man are ordered by the Lord. How true. This 2024, the Lord will order yours and my steps and stops. And again, I'm glad that he will. And I'm thankful for him for doing so. Every detail of our life is under God's control. Secondly, still in verse 23, he delighteth in his way. Did you know that God takes pleasure in our struggles? Let that sink for a while. Did you know that God delights in our struggles? Excuse me, pastor. Isn't he a loving God? Why would he delight in our struggles? Okay. He doesn't delight in our struggles because of our foolishness. But he delights in our struggles unto holiness. Let me explain. Those of you who have raised children. When your children were wobbling along. And they fall. Isn't it true, the first thing that they learn is to turn from being, how do you call it, lying on their back, and then they turn around, yay, and then they started crawling, Karen, isn't it true? And you can't find them, they're under somewhere, right, and then they start to see, yay, and then they'll grab to whatever, okay, plates, in Fiona's case, uh, coffee, and okay, another story, all right. And so they, they, they stand and they wobble. And then you hold their hands and you, you start to, you know, this way, two hands. And then later on, they, they don't want you to hold them. And they start walking on their own. Now, question Did you spank them? Did you hit them in the bum whenever they fell? Were you not delighted? As they were growing and walking. Similar analogy. God. Delights. Not on our foolishness. On our fall. On our foolishness. But when we struggle. Like I said. We will fall. We will make mistakes. But he'll pick us up. And he'll hold us again. And when we fall again, he'll be there to pick us up again. And he delights until that time we get it. Oh, beloved, the grace, the mercy, the patience, the forbearance of God Almighty in our failures. And there will be plenty this year. But he delights. He delights when we struggle unto holiness. Good parenting understands that falling is a necessary and part of learning how to walk. If they never fall, they'll never learn how to walk. By the way, mom and dad, you do not do your children favors if you're being so protective that you never allow them to fall down and learn. Somebody said, and I quote, Better that a child should fall a hundred times than never to learn how to walk at all. End of quote. Falling isn't fun for the child. It hurts. But our wise parents know that falling always comes before walking. I know you know that we do not enjoy seeing our little ones fall and shed tears each time but we rejoice and see them struggle for a while, growing to learn and walk through life. Do you realize it's the same with our Heavenly Father? He delights when we struggle to work, of course, again, not because of our foolishness, but delighteth in our way to holiness. This year we will have our own faults and struggles, but they are necessary for our spiritual growth. Individually and indeed as a church. Sure, they will not always be pleasant. But at the end of it, those struggles for holiness, not for foolishness, okay, will delight our God. In love, let me say this to you. That sin is serious business. The choices that you and I will make this year could either be pleasing or displeasing to the Lord. The choices that we will make could either be a blessing or a burden and will hurt us and those that we love around us. But if and when you fall, do not hide from God like Adam and Eve did. Do not attempt to cover your own sin and nakedness in your own effort. Be like the prodigal when you come to your senses. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, uh, Hopefully when you're not eating with the pigs already. That you're smelling like pigs. Looking like pigs. That you would arise and go to your heavenly father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Some of us need to go to the pig pen before we will wake up. I've seen it happen and it's not pretty. I've seen lives wrecked because of disobedience and rebellion. But I've also seen how a rebellious child, a prodigal child, can become a productive child of God. I can guarantee you on the authority of God's word, even though from the pig pen, while you're still afar off, Your genuine confession to God will always be met with forgiveness, cleansing, and restoration. He will be delighted. He will be merry for you were dead. Dead unto sin and is now alive again. You were lost and is now found in him. Thirdly, God allows our fall and trials not to destroy us. In verse 24 of our text. Though he fall. He shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. As I said earlier, God will not allow anything to permanently destroy us and our relationship with him. Not even death itself, beloved, can separate us from the love of God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 38 to 39, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, Nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Job lost all but said, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he tried me, Job said, I shall come forth as gold. Joseph was imprisoned based on a lie. Jonah ended up in the belly of the great fish out of disobedience and rebellion. Yet, scriptures tell us Job gained more than what he had lost. Joseph became the second most powerful man in Egypt, save only the Pharaoh. And Jonah, the people of Nineveh, believed God from the least to the greatest of them, the Bible says. What am I saying? When God tries and chastens us, and he will in this new year, he doesn't do it because he hates us. Oh no. He chastens us because he loves us. His chastening is not for our destruction, but for our development. My dear ones, as we go through and navigate 2024, just like as he said to Peter... When Satan desired to sift him as wheat, our good God above will allow it not for us to be destroyed, but for us to come out as fine gold, pure, without the dross, and become more and more conformed to the image of his son. That's the purpose. Job lost everything and gained back more than he lost. Joseph, like I said, ended up the second most powerful man. Sometimes our trials will lead to a promotion. Other times, it will lead like we've been vomited out of a great belly of a fish. But God had bigger things in mind in all these cases. He wasn't through with Job. He wasn't through with Joseph. And he never was through with Jonah, and he's never through with us. As always, he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows and orders our steps. He delights in our way through it. And even if we stumble and fall, lastly, he will not utterly cast us down. He promised that the good work he began in us, he will perform until the day of Jesus Christ. We're saved and saved forever in him. Though we fall a thousand times, his love for us is firm and secure. And our salvation in him is not dependent on our performance. But our salvation is dependent on his eternal purposes. Spurgeon once said, no saint shall fall finally or fatally. Sorrow may bring us to the earth, and death may bring us to the grave, but lower we cannot sink. And out of the lowest of all, we shall arise to the highest of all. Charles Spurgeon. My dear ones, I cannot guarantee you that 2024 will will be smooth sailing for you. Nor can I say that you will not fall into sin but what I can assure you on the authority of God's word is all things will work together for good to them that love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose that while this wicked world will mean evil against us just like in the days of Joseph in Egypt God will make it so Uh, To be for and unto good to save much people alive. They meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Be not afraid of man, beloved. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Put your confidence and trust in the Lord. Jeremiah 17 verse 7. Blessed is the man that trusted in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. Proverbs 3, 25, 26. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. And so on this first Sunday of the new year. I ask for your prayers. I covet your prayers, in fact, for me and for my family and indeed for each other and the church as a whole. No doubt there will be some falling and stumbling amongst us. There will be some pain and sorrows. There will be discontent and discord within the body There'll be schism and even separation, perhaps. There'll be accusations rather than acceptance of wrongdoings. There'll be selfishness rather than selflessness. There'll be covetousness rather than contentment. There'll be comparisons rather than cooperation. There'll be murmurings rather than mendings. There'll be gossiping, rather than godly speaking. And I could go on and on, but I won't. God will continue to do his wondrous and sovereign work in each of us, until, until he might present us to himself, A glorious church without spot, without wrinkle, holy and without blemish. But until then, there will be falling and stumbling. So what is 2024 going to be like? I honestly do not know. I have my own hopes and dreams for me and for all of us as a church. I have this greater vision within my soul for us to be pleasing to the Lord. I have the yearning desire for us to be what God wants us to be in these last days. But I know to get there is not going to be easy. There will be some times that will be painful. But I go back to this. If we will continue to abide in him, we can do absolutely anything as a church. If we will cast our cares upon him, he will care for us. If we will but trust and serve him with all of our hearts and with all of our soul, he will direct our paths. And so on this first Sunday of the new year, let our first worship be a day of remembrance of the reason why we are even here and who is the object of our faith. And that's no other than the Lord Jesus Christ. With all the prospects that this year will bring to us, may we not forget why. And who we are living for. And why we wake up each day and why we take our next breath, it is because and only because of the Savior Christ. He came to this earth on that first Christmas in Bethlehem, only to die at the cross of Calvary in Jerusalem. And oh, one day. He he resurrected from the dead after three days, and all one day we will see him as he is. And we're looking forward to that, Mrs. Shula. Amen. And it cannot come any sooner. Men, Fiona, would you come, uh, please? And uh, we'll proceed with our communion service.